Maurizio Corbi, Lifelong Passion of Iconic Car Design. Dear audience, my name is Ludmila Der. I'm the Managing Director of Elite Experts Conferences and I would like to welcome you to the next episode of the Elite Experts Conferences podcast. Whether at live events or in the digital world, we bring together cool promising tech startups with exciting innovative global players and generate a platform where the world of sustainable technology meets. Get to know the different companies, but also the inspiring leader personalities behind these brand names. Our motto is towards a better and cleaner future through knowledge transfer and technology. Our guest today is a legend in car design. It is my special honor to welcome Maurizio Corbi, the senior designer at Pininfarina. Anyone in our community who works with car design will immediately know you and your legendary achievements in the design world. For everyone else, here's a brief overview of your career. After two initial jobs in the design industry, you joined Pininfarina. And you stayed there for almost 35 years. It's still ongoing. It is quite incredible for this time. Car design was and is your lifelong passion. And it wasn't enough for you just to design cars. You wanted to design Ferrari cars. And in 1989, the time had come. Your first Ferrari project was the F116 or the F456 GT project from which your interior proposal was chosen. Then in 1990 came the iconic F50. The design process was quite unique because Ferrari selected different elements and parts, drawing from the proposals of the whole team. In the end, Mr. Ramacciotti, who was at that time the director of the Pininfarina Studies and Research, built a unified proposal that featured a huge part of your work. In 1992, Ferrari gave to your team the project to restyle the F348. From this project, Ferrari selected your proposals for the front and for the side. Thus, the F355 project was born. In December of the same year, you began already the first sketches to define what later became the famous F550 Maranello. Over the decades, you have consulted on numerous projects, with the more recent contribution of the front end of the California N28. All in all, you are probably the only designer in the world who has designed the most Ferrari cars. Well then, let's dive into the evolution of Ferrari's iconic designs, exploring the delicate balance between tradition and innovation. Join us, dear listener, as we discuss the insights on sustainable car design, navigating the challenging landscape of mobility and envisioning a future where elegance seamlessly merges with environmental consciousness. Or maybe not. We will see. As in every episode, we will have many opportunities to learn from Maurizio not only about car design, but also his personal lessons learned along the way. Let's start. Maurizio, can you take us back to your early years? So what inspired your passion for car design and were there specific influences that guided your creative journey? It's, it's very simply answer. I, I must say that for me, it was all very natural. It was like following a path, no? already traced. 
But it means it started already as a child, this passion for, for design in the early years. So you were always drawing cars since the yes, very beginning. everywhere and on everything. So when uh, I, I, I was at school, at, at home, my unique thinking was to, to start to, to draw cars everywhere. It was my dream. I just remember from my research, let's say, that a certain Fiat played a role in your journey. So would you like to tell me a little bit of that? Which model was it and how it became actually the symbol of the start for you? Yes, it's, it's a, it was a very normal car. No? At 10 years old, my father was thinking to, to change his old Fiat 500 because it was not enough for my family. I, I have a, a brother and a sister. So five, five people inside of the Fiat 500 was impossible. So he selected as a new, new family car, the Fiat 128, you know, Fiat 128. And I was very excited, you know. I was spending time to collect informations about, about these cars. And then I remember that my father, he wants this car only in white color. Why so important? Why white? I don't know why. But I remember the waiting list was enough long. He has been waiting this car for one year. So the, the dealer tried to convince him to, to move his choice forward another colors, no? I remember green on, uh, don't remember exactly, but uh, no, no way. <laughs> he wants a white and finally he received his new car in white. Was it worth to wait <laughs> for the white one? <laughs> At least as an inspiration for you, it, it must have been, right? <laughs> See, I don't know what happened at my, my head uh, at this age. But then let's move, let's say, uh, further into your career. So uh, when you reflect on your career, are there specific moments or projects that you believe defined your approach to car design? What was really like outstanding? I think that, uh, so I imagine you are talking about my first, my second ex um, experience in Pininfarina, it's true. My first year at Pininfarina were fundamental for my personal growth. The quality level of the studio was very high, so I had clear reference in front of, in front of me, and my goal was to reach those standards as soon as possible. And then the, the projects were very very interesting, exciting. So a lot of good companies, not only car design projects, but also product design project so it's an incredible era if you analyze that let's say in the hindsight how many years did it take you then to reach that level that you wanted to reach has been very quickly i think uh, past one year i was at the, at the, the same same level and the other colleagues that's self-confident to say <laughs> i like it <laughs> but it was interesting because the, the studio was very little only six designers, all Italians, but it was very, very easy 
when our drawings were on the on the wall, recognize the the different uh, style, different hands, you know, uh, each ones. I I should to say that the director, so the Pinfarina, and also the our president, they want conserve this difference, no, between uh, different people, different different view of the same, uh, for example, for the same project. Actually, one question uh, regarding the current situation. I guess that nowadays uh, it's more international, right? So the designers are not all coming from Italy. They are all mixed diversity matters, right? It's correct, but uh, we must to remember that the world uh, in 89 was, <laughs> was different no? than today. So East Europe was closed, was not possible for uh, East European uh, students to to come to come here i don't know uh, exactly the, the the reason because pinfarina was open at many many international companies but before that i arrived in pinfarina for many years has been working for for us an english guy jan cameron i think i remember his name jan cameron is formed at uh, Royal College uh, of Art. I I like it a lot. His way to to draw very very good. Would be actually interesting to to follow up now. What what happened actually with that person or with the person that you knew in the past? No? So let's move a little bit to the iconic Ferrari cars because the world recognizes your contribution to the design of iconic Ferrari cars. No? So. Can you share the story behind the creation of one of your most celebrated designs? So you can freely choose which one it should be for you. <laughs> Face it uh, with questions like this, I always feel a little embarrassed. Why? Uh, because uh, I always fear taking credit that I don't have. So I gave my best effort to all the Ferrari project in which I participated. The involvement was total, both emotional and professional. I always, always had the, the feeling that what I designed was absolutely 100% Ferrari. It's not arrogance, but it's very clear in my, in my head. And I always felt in total harmony with the brand. Don't ask me the reason, I don't know. <laughs> But it's very clear. I mean, I, I might guess some reasons because, I mean, in design, you are a genius. So we are talking about premium skills in design and we are talking about premium cars. It matches. It's you. It's not arrogance. Definitely not. <laughs> maybe maybe it's, it's, it's the reason. So it's super well-deserved. In particular, I remember how complex and painful the whole process that led to the F550 Maranello. Maranello was not through our fault, but due to the uncertainty that reigned in Modena in outlining uh, exactly what product they needed. So we, we changed many, many times the architecture, the, the feeling of the car, Early to must to be an open air, no, um, a spider cars than uh, the Montezemolo or the CEO, the Ferrari CEOs change uh, direction. So we start a new research. So has not been 
I don't, don't remember how many drawings we we did. How many months do you actually count for such a project? I mean, with a lot of changes and so on. So, are we talking about months already? Yes, right. I remember. I remember exactly that I start the um, our. The director uh, Lorenzo Ramacciotti asked uh, only uh, to me to start the research and it was December 92 and uh, one year later we 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 were at the start the start point so the, the director involved with the other designers other colleagues so the Ferrari Ferrari people never was so satisfied And I guess you need to be super patient and super empathetic for everything that's going wrong on the customer side. Yeah, to have a lot of this feeling of, okay, I will now let go of all the designs that I created before. I will not be angry because I've wasted time and I will just start from zero. So how do you do that? How do you get this kind of uh, goddess patience? What Clara for us that it has been a very important change in Ferrari because the new CEO Montezemolo was a, um, a person with a great personality, no? He wanted to, to lead uh, all the, the, the process. In the past, when Ferrari asked to us to start a new project, the, um, the relation was completely different. They have trust in us, so we felt very, very free to explore different different ways, different shapes. So when I arrived in Montezemolo, all is in, this is the reason. And now let's dive into the details, let's say. How do you perceive the evolution of Ferrari's design language over the years? And what role do you think you played in shaping that evolution? Uh, I, I believe uh, that there were some models that uh, traced the, the path of... Uh, Ferrari style milestones that I still that uh, still today inspire the the Ferrari team uh, led by Flavio Manzoni. I'm referring to the F250 SWB, for example, the Ferrari 250 GTO, or the F275 GTB, or for example the the wonderful Dino. 246. And I mean, you said it in the beginning, it's always a little bit tricky, like to choose what is your favorite project and so on. So, but among all the projects you have worked on, is there one that like really has a very special place in your heart? So, and why it stands out to you, if you can decide at all? I have to be honest, I don't have a favorite project. As I already said I've always had a great feeling with Fer with all Ferrari projects. But I remember with great pleasure all the product design projects I took part in, in when until the early 90s. I didn't there was a still Pininfarina extra. So that was the special one. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And now when we talk about the technology that has advanced significantly since the early days in the industry, now, so how have these kind of technological changes influenced the way you approach car design and what challenges, but also maybe opportunities um, do they present? So also how much AI do you introduce into your work nowadays? Beyond the new technologies that have influenced car design, one element that I believe was most decisive in doing this was the substantial change in the balance of power between the client and the supplier. Whereas once our work was blindly trusted and our skill at a certain moment, the car manufacturers began to get the development, heavily influencing our work. So this changed in a dramatic way the, the design process, I think so. But in a way, improving it? Sometimes. Okay, give me some details, <laughs> give me some examples. <laughs> for example, um, the pedestrian constraints, for example, no? the go to, goes to influence a lot the line of the bonnet, for example. If you go to watch... Uh, cars on the way, he, the, the, the difference are only in the details, you know, in the grill, but many, many elements are, um, can I say, sovraponible. You can stay, you can put on you know, to different cars, uh, the, the line, the inclination of the windscreen, always uh, coincident. So basically the cars become more of the same kind. So, at least the shape. And if we take now Ferrari again as example. So, yes, Ferrari has a rich tradition, but it also stands out to be continuously embracing innovations. So, how do you strike this balance between preserving the brand heritage and the brand language, let's say, and pushing the boundaries of design? How do you do that? But comparing it to other competing brands, Ferrari has the advantage of having a unique history behind it and uh, the competition in which it has always been a protagonist create a perfect mix of tradition and innovation. So other other brands are not so rich in, in history, no? Can be advantage or can be a disadvantage? Absolutely is an advantage. I had the opportunities to meet Ferrari clients around the world and uh, they are enough nostalgic about the the, Ferrari, the Pininfarina brand on the on the on the side, no? This disappeared when uh, Ferrari uh, interrupted the collaboration uh, with with us. But uh, as I saw actually in one of your interviews that you said also it was like a supernatural step, you know, that they would take it in-house yeah, and do that by their own. So it was kind of natural. It was not like a, there was no kind of uh, uh, fights or any kind of disagreement, anything. It was just a natural step. Okay, they want to have it inside. They had the studio, they built everything. So they do that themselves. No, so was super it has been has been has been natural my the the the, the same uh, happened with with peugeot for example we have been a partner uh, for peugeot for a long time 30 years i think 
but it's a normal. It's important that Pininfarina is still ready to, to fight, you know, to, to give uh, his service around the world. Actually, I would like to challenge one of your statements because you said it's an advantage to have um, heavy traditional heritage. Huh? Uh, but when we look in the um, transition of the automotive industry into electrification, so sometimes it feels like having a heritage can be a hindrance, can be a limitation. So if you don't have anything to lose, you also don't mind, you know, to be more bold. We have a lot of lose because I try to imagine a new Ferrari model, full electrics, and you cannot to her the sound of the engine, no? Oh my God. The same for um, new Alfa Romeos. I know that the, the, the new Alfa Romeo models will be only full electrics. Oh my God. You're scared. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's easier, you know, to, to be like more, more free with that. And it's it's I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the, the world goes down? The okay. world will, will be ever more um, boring. Okay, but it's not all just about the sound, right? It's also about the feeling of the car, about the driving experience, about everything that is happening in the car because you are not busy with uh, with driving because you can explore the world or you can see, I don't know, like VR projected on your screen what is happening outside. You see what kind of nature you see or you see what kind of castle you see and so on. So, Or you will be bombarded by commercials. You are a great <laughs> optimist. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> How could you guess that? <laughs> okay, let's go a bit broader, a little bit away from Ferrari, because Italy has actually a rich history in design across various industries. So how has the broader Italian design culture influenced your work in the automotive sector? I grew up uh, admiring the concept cars of uh, Bertone, Pininfarina, and Italian design. So what better reference for a child who dreamed of doing this job? I remember the, the magazine uh, and the article, for example, about the Bertone Carabo or Ferrari, Ferrari Modulo or Ital, Ital Design Concept. At my eyes was uh, like, uh, I don't know what, was an incredible sensation, feeling. By the way, had you then later won the pleasure to work with some of your idols, some of the people that inspired you when you were a little child? I think Giorgetto Giugiaro of Edel Design, because he, he has been a, a modern car designer. No? For example, Bertone, Nuccio Bertone and Sergio Pininfarina, they represent maybe old fashion of car Italian car design. Very, they were... So people behind the sign, you know, they didn't compare on the, on the magazine. Giugiaro instead, he, I remember, he compared in uh, TV programs, uh, drawings in front of the, the, the people, uh, giving interviews. I was very fascinated from uh, his way, you know, to communicate his, uh, 
It's a new new way to communicate car design. And when we look now in the new way, so there's always something new now in every generation. So and nowadays, what is new for us? It's like the shift towards electrification, the shift towards autonomous vehicles. So how do you envision the role of design evolving in this new era of mobility? Where do you see us going? From what I see, there is no need uh, to be so optimistic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my audience I, 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 is actually no, no, used it's, to it's, optimism. It's my, it's my I, I will balance it out. <laughs> On the horizon, we can glimpse large over-designed SUVs full of use, useless decorations that are increasingly heavier and more expensive. I don't know in other countries, but but in Italy, many people is asking uh, no himself the price of the car is full. So it is not uh, relational with the um, the salaries of the normal people. For example, also to buy a, a, a small city car as a Fiat Panda for. Um, Many people in Italy is, is, is not easy, no? The, 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 the medium salary for a worker uh, in uh, Fiat, in Stellantis, it's uh, more or less 1,500 euros net for month. And the, the, a new, new Panda, I think, costs around uh, 15,000 15, uh, euros. It's a small car, it's a city car, no? And you can imagine the, the, the cost of a, a large SUV. So Impossible to buy, of course, yeah. Actually, you know, I, I like this kind of honesty and really direct words, especially, I mean, we know also that the gasoline cars, they are still more affordable than electric ones. And then if you put electrification on top of the design of the small cars, etc., etc., it becomes always more and more expensive. So... Yes, it is It is a problem in Europe to have affordable EV cars. It is true. It is fact so far. But the, the, problem, the problem is for, for European, uh, the European market that is, are coming uh, uh, a lot of Chinese new full electric cars at price enough good, no? not so expensive. It will be competitive. Yeah, of course. And I think that it needs to be. I mean, the European car manufacturer, they also need to wake up that, yeah, it has to be also affordable for the people and not just for the very few ones that can afford luxury cars. It's true. Or the idea to buy a car is an old idea, no? Might be as well, yeah. All companies are pushing to that the, the people go to rent a car, not buy a car. Yeah, subscription modes, they are booming. Okay, car sharing, um, I guess not so much since pandemic. Somehow it became a bit less uh, favorite for the people to choose. But still, I mean, we, we see still a little bit of influence from the pandemic, right? Maybe it will change as well. Let's put on top of everything that we said, even one factor more, sustainability. Because sustainability is becoming increasingly important in the automotive industry. So how do you incorporate environmental consideration in your design process? And can we afford that at all? Because when we are talking already about electrification, which is maybe a bit too expensive, or design on top of that, and then we put even sustainability on, on top of that. So 
Is that affordable at all? Let's say that those who design cars, as we know them today, had never cared much about sustainability. Now we cannot fail to take into account what is happening to our planet. Creativities must absolutely be the first actors in this new reality by seeking through design sober and aware to make their contribution. I think so. And do you think that this is that or this sustainability approach should come more from the OEM side or should the, let's say the customers demand it more and then let's say push the OEMs to produce in a more sustainable way? So what do we see as the more reasonable driving force where it should come from? I think the the, the, the OEM of course they have advantage to to sell expensive cars, no? large SUV, full of optionals, very, very exclusive optionals. And I don't think they have care about pollution or sustainability. I don't think so. I would not even see that as skeptic. <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess, a very realistic description, what you give, unfortunately. Yes. Okay, let's dive in a bit more. Um, I hope in the end we will still come positive somehow, <laughs> but I'm not sure yet. So now with this growing emphasis on efficiency, on reducing emissions, so how does this influence the aerodynamic and overall design of the car that you already mentioned before? And what challenges does it pose on maintaining an attractive aesthetic? Or is it all gone because it all gets too similar? So... But uh, aerodynamic uh, efficiency helps to reduce uh, uh, consumption, even if not a considerable extent, where it becomes irreplaceable in the reduction of hiss and related noises. However, there remains an element that adds an aura of modernity no? and uh, efficiency to the vehicle. I remember also I was young. In, uh, 73 at uh, the Kippur's uh, war, the, the first very serious petrol um, crisis. No? The model coming after this crisis were very, they had uh, many elements to improve the aerodynamics efficiently, but it was only a trend, no? because it never stayed. Yes. Today is exactly the, exactly the same. When you go to evaluate, a lot of, uh, of gasoline you go to, to save when uh, you are driving a very big SUV. It's, it's, very, it's ridiculous because it's important the, the front section of the car. So in this case, concerning the SUV, The front section is enormous, so it's very is not easy to improve this. Uh, can I say the aesthetics of it? So, so the the form basically. Now you mean the form? Yes. So influencing the C CW uh, value. No. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. We have to get rid of these SUVs. I, I actually have a theory about that because uh, if you work on the security of the people, they don't need a SUV. But that's maybe just a psychological theory. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about recyclability in the design cycle. So when we consider the life cycle of a car, 
So how do you incorporate recyclability into the design process and what initiatives have you taken to minimize the environmental impact of the vehicles you design? I have to be honest, creative people do not have the, the skill in significantly influence creative process. I have not. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and these uh, are aspects that are their responsibility for engineers. And you you do not work together on that so that you can, let's say, help each other and in kind of collaboration? But when uh, when uh, creatives and designers are, receive, are receiving the package to start a new, new, new project, all art points are um, delimited. So we go to work on the section on the grill, on the, the details. So no way for us to influence the technologies. Is that slightly different for the interior design? Because then you choose the materials, you can look more into the, okay, is that, for example, leather or not? And uh, can that be recycled or not? Is that a bit better? Give me some hope. <laughs> But in, in, in interior, concerning the interiors, Of course, it is absolutely important to respect the ergonomics. Yes, all, all details must be the, the best possible. Is all conditioned by the also the, the, the trend, you know, concerning the colors, materials. I don't know a lot about the, the, the interior. It's not my my field. Okay, then let's move on and actually. Um, look at some inspiration outside of the automotive world. So um, are there sources of inspiration for your design that come outside of the automotive world? And if yes, what could that be? Like, I don't know, art, architecture, nature, what inspires you? Uh, as always happens, those who do creative work find inspiration with it themselves, thanks to their own sensitivity and culture. Living in Italy helps. No. We are surrounded by natural and uh, arti artistic beauty e everywhere. When you go working, uh, for example, also here in Turin, you have a lot of beautiful churches, beautiful palaces, you know, and uh, maybe for Italian people it's normal, but it's not normal no? living in other countries. It's true. Italy is beautiful. I mean, I have quite a connection to that country and love it can sign under, under the every word that you said. No, it's, a, it's the result of our history, no? from the Alps to the, the Sicily. All the regions, we have 20 regions, but 20 different reality, culture, dialects, food, architecture. It's incredible. But as you said, it still always comes from within you. So you you take that, what do you see in the outside world or what you listen to or what you see or what you watch. So and then you like filter it through your own personality. And then here it is, the inspiration. <laughs> I think it's very, it's very easy. No? It's like a breath. No? You stay outside and uh, you inspire uh, from the, all is around, uh, around to you. I mean, it feels so natural when you describe it, because it is natural for you. <laughs> you know, it's like a second nature for you. It's like, really, it's like breathing, right? Correct. <laughs> from, from a person like outside of the design, it's, it's slightly different. <laughs> okay, so then 
how has your personal style and approach to design evolved throughout your career? So, and what factors have contributed to this evolution? And actually one question also, can a designer afford to have a personal style, to have a personal taste? As often happens with the experience, you lose uh, a little in terms of uh, freshness. <laughs> It's normal, no? Uh, at 30, I believe uh, a designer is at the, at the peak of uh, his career. Then, inevitably, begins... Down. <laughs> that she's <laughs> uh, every creative person more involved in the development of, of, of a project. It's normal, no? We spend, uh, at my age, I spend more time following... Uh, project with the engineers and not at my desk drawings. Which is sad or you would see that as a natural development and it's all good for you? No, oh, it's natural. It's, it's impossible to, at my age, uh, have a, a competition with the young, uh, young people. It's, it's, it's stupid, you know? No, it's more, I guess, also about mentoring them. Yes, this is uh, significant, it's important for me to transfer no? your experience at the young people and trying to explain what, for example, in my case, what is Pininfarina, no? the DNA Pininfarina, what is the DNA Pininfarina? Do you see sometimes people that, that come into the studio and you see like the young Maurizio going there and you see like, like you have been in the past, you see yourself sometimes with the young version? Uh, many, many, many times it happened that, that um, young people coming They know before my, my name, my, my artworks, my projects, you know. And they were uh, really touched, you know, and uh, in an emotional uh, way to, to stay close to me. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Because, uh, yes, I, I, I don't know if it's correct in, in English, but I, enough disagreement. So I don't, I don't want to stay on the... I feel myself very, very simple. You're very, very humble, actually. Let's go into the modern digital design tools. How have these tools changed the way you conceptualize and bring your design ideas to life? Do you see it as a benefit to use those tools? Does it help you or does it scare you more? Yeah, no, I think absolutely, absolutely yes. Digital tools have been a formidable weapons. <laughs> They have facilitated our work and uh, improved the, the quantity and the final quality of our projects. Perhaps the, the, the least satisfying issue is that the global uh, sharing, thanks to the web, has generated a mono language. This is sad. It's not anymore recognizable. Italian design, German design, French design. No? If you go visiting Instagram, Facebook car design pages, it's incredible. The, the, the quality level is very high, but it's impossible to reconcile the difference uh, between different projects. No? So it's like gray homogeneity. Yes. Everything is same, same. And then, for example, the, when I arrived at the Photoshop, no, <laughs> has been incredible because uh, you must know that before when we were uh, drawing, 
using um, markers. That moment happened some negative effect on, on the paper. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no way that restart with a new new design, new drawing. Or for example, we, we were putting on the Bristol paper the, the final renderings and uh, spraying the, the, the gloom was very, very dangerous, you know, because in two people... Holding. Holding, no, one people holding the paper and the other trying to, to put the drawing on the Bristol. <laughs> if something goes wrong at that moment, you can restart again. And, and Photoshop resolved this problem, no? Simply with uh, undo, you can uh, <laughs> modify very easily the, the drawing. The time saving is, is immense, no? Yes. <laughs> Incredible. You can change color, uh, shape. Uh, incredible now let's look a little bit more ahead in the future so how do you see the future of mobility and what role do you think design will play in shaping the next generation of cars and transportation solutions it's not it's not easy to give a, a, um, an answer but i believe that we'll have a fragmentation of vehicle types maybe there will be Vehicles for uh, urban use, no? full, I think, uh, I suppose, full electrics uh, in car sharing, for example. Or for people that is looking for more satisfaction in terms of personal, uh, exactly, satisfaction. Or for uh, people looking to, to show is a status, you know, or maybe trying to communicate who they are, or I don't know, it's not, it's not easy. And maybe we can um, remain for this kind of vehicle, also um, thermal propulsion, why not? So you would say that that will exist in parallel for some projects as well? Yes, all this is very promising for us creativities. The only doubt is uh, linked to what will happen with uh, artificial intelligence, no? It's a challenge. We, in our office, we are testing uh, some new AI software and I can say that is incredible. I have, <laughs> I have pain about these um, systems. Does it make designers obsolete then? For example, we are trying to, to approach mid-journey. No? Uh, in this case, you go to, to give a, the, 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 the software a story. No? I would like a Ferrari Spider, no? an Alfa Romeo Spider, in a sunset light downtown, in a retro style, for example. And the software goes to start the research in 30 seconds, one minute, maybe less. You receive a, a renderings where the quality is first level, maybe also a lot of different 
proposal of this the, 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 the same terms. The problem of this uh, software that uh, he goes to to make is a research in the web. So in terms of innovation, uh, doesn't uh, give uh, new new on the original solutions. Instead, another another program, Vitzcom is the name, could could be uh, a very good uh, uh, friends for uh, creative people. Because today we spend uh, for one project maybe 60-70% to realize the beautiful photograph renderings, no? in uh, photograph uh, quality renderings. And uh, the time that we spend for the research is uh, limited, not, not enough. Using uh, Vizco, you can return to have a lot of uh, time to, to spend for the research because you import your sketch where there is your idea, no? your vision. The, the software goes to realize the renderings in a quickly, very quickly way, time, and uh, in a good quality. But the, the final result, uh, the, the paternity is correct, of the, um, the final rendering, it's, uh, it's, it's your, because the program started from your idea doesn't have uh, nothing in terms of uh, originality. So I invite you, invite you to inform about this uh, program, Bitscom. Yeah, the first one that, that we tested already, but the second one that is new for me, so I will have to try it out. V-I-Z-Com. V-I-Z-Com, okay. Bitscom. It's incredible. It's actually fun to play around and to see really like what's possible. It's it's incredible, really. You remain uh, without the breath, no? Wow. And how fast? Never, never, never been before. Nothing like this. You know, the AI goes to change our life. As uh, internet changed our life, and AI, I think, goes to change in a dramatic way. But dramatically positive or dramatically negative? Positive, oh, I know, the risk is also in negative way, but... But I mean, we have that with internet the same, no? Exactly. So cybersecurity is a topic, for example. So, yeah, we have always to to understand the risky side and just be aware of that and being able to handle it, but still use the advantage that, that it brings with it, right? Yes, and we are only uh, at the, the beginning we are beginners, you know. I cannot imagine in uh, six months, in one year, what happened. They are improving this um, software. Weekly, basically. Exactly, weekly. What we see today was not possible six months uh, before. So you see, we still made our cycle in the positive way. <laughs> so there's still a positive outlook. I would like to send you later some example of the potentiality of these uh, programs. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, would love to see it. Yeah. I promise it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Grazie mille, Maurizio. And actually, we are now transitioning to the life wisdom and self-development part. So our loyal listeners already know it. In each episode, we come to a point where we address self-development, lessons learned, and yes, life wisdom. So let's get started. 
What advice would you give to young aspiring car designers who look up to your work and want to make a mark in the industry? What would you tell them? But I would like to, to say to young uh, aspiring designers that uh, doing this job today is increasingly complex, that it requires higher skills and uh, doesn't always return to efforts made in terms of satisfaction. We were romantic artists who moved in a much simpler contest and where our work was highly regarded. Today, unfortunately, is not so. Yes, what I can add. They must to, to stay very concentrated on his desire and following their dreams. No? So even more hard work, even more resistance, even more never giving up. Yes, because the, the competition uh, is uh, it's strong. No? Then in the past, a lot of good uh, design school are giving um, a, a, any year new good, a lot of good designers. And there are not so many jobs around, no? No. That's the reality. No, not so much. So it's a little bit like selling dreams, right? Like sending the people out in the world, like go and look for your dream, but yeah. Yes, it's a, a big problem for a lot of design school. No? Creative professions have per se historically a more difficult start, as there are always a lot of doubts if somebody's going to make it, whatever making it means, or if somebody can make a living out of it. And still, you have chosen this path. And that not only professionally, but also privately. So what do I mean by that? Well, our audience really needs to know that you are not only an incredible car designer, but that you are also an artist in your free time. So you paint pictures of cars that look really like photographs. I saw it. I saw you drawing that in a, let's say, time increased scale, and it looks really incredible. So by the way, dear audience, if you are looking for a gift for a car or design enthusiastic friends and family, you should definitely take a look at Maurizio's website. You can even buy his artwork there. And now my question, Maurizio, where do you get your inspiration from so that you can be creative both professionally and in your free time? I mean, it, it looks like you do not need to relax from being creative because in your free time, you are still doing creative work. Concerning in my artworks, For example, uh, perhaps I started to become passionate uh, about classic uh, cars when uh, this the sacred fire, no, <laughs> that animated the the research in my project had uh, worn a bit. My maturity has hallowed me to appreciate the the cars of the past. Uh, giving me a, di a different vision of them. All these uh, accompanied uh, and favored by my undubbed graphic skills. Uh, I think to be lucky, no? <laughs> Because uh, it may leave uh, different, uh, different uh, souls. Because I was uh, fashioned, uh, I loved them. Uh, cars but I had also great skills no to represent uh, on a piece of paper my idea many people 
have uh, a lot of good ideas, but then uh, it's not easy to represent the ideas on uh, on a paper. And when exactly did it start your passion for art? For art, uh, ever, because when uh, I was um, very young, 10 years, 13 years ago, I started to to paint using oil, oil on canvas. So uh, I I was uh, spending my my summer holidays, no, from school. Uh, in my bedroom using oil, oil colors, you know, trying to arrange on my, on my desk uh, subjects, you know, for, uh, I don't know in English, natura morta. It's a dead, uh, I don't know, nature, dead nature maybe. I understand that because we have that same word in, in Russian, natura morta. Ah, still life, I think, right? Still life or something. So basket, uh, basket with uh, the the apples. Uh, exactly. The so non non living uh, objects that you just draw and yeah yeah. Because my idol was Caravaggio. Caravaggio paintings, you know, for me was a genius. Has been a genius. So not only cars. Also fruit baskets. No? <laughs> That's where it comes from. I spent yeah time to to draw every everything. Beautiful uh, view of my little uh, historic village, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You still do that from time to time or mostly cars still? Today? Mm -hmm. Yes, nowadays. Uh, when I retired, I want to, to start to, to paint uh, different subjects, I hope. And now with everything that you know now and everything that you said also how tricky it is now in the industry and so on. So if you could give yourself, let's say a 20 years old self, one piece of advice, what would it be? What would you tell him? It could be follow your dreams with the knowledge that I will be hard, but you have to believe in it. Don't let yourself be There one day with a regret of not having tried, please try. Then maybe you go to fail, but before you must to, to try. No? Also, when some someone told you, say to you, oh, it's possible. No, to it's not easy to find a job. Uh, this uh, this job is dead. At my father, someone told him, uh, oh. This uh, uh, maybe 35 years ago. No, in the future, no human goes to design cars, but only computers. But I, I, I didn't believe in uh, in it. No, so following the dreams is important in ever in ever in every fields. I think there will be always the people that can only complain and everything is bad and they are never it's never their fault or it's never in their power and there will always be the people that believe in themselves the doers basically yes they might fail they might fail even repeatedly but they will get up and will try again and those are usually the people that still come to the top and yes you definitely reached that <laughs> 
at my son uh, every day. I repeat the, the, the same words. And you always believed or were there sometimes times when it was so hard that it was like, okay, today I will be just sad or disappointed or... I think at, at the generation of my son, you know, 20 years old, for, for them it's not easy to stay concentrated and uh, make uh, sacrifice, sacrifice no? make a sacrifice and uh, to obtain, obtain some things uh, later. No? They are they have all immediately always uh, The life is it's easy for them, no? This could be a serious problem for them. Actually, what you describe is called delayed gratification. So basically, when you do hard things now, you will have easier life later on. When you have easy life now, you will hard life afterwards. So it's always a choice. <laughs> yeah, but at the younger age, it's sometimes tricky maybe to get it. But still, some people do. The stronger the the dream to follow, the the more focused you are, I guess. So let's talk a little bit about your definition of happiness and how it changed over the years. So because I think it's very very suitable. <laughs> oh my God, what question! But let's try. I personally have never thought of uh, chasing happiness. I don't think it exists. In any case, it has never been uh, a priority. There are uh, fulfilling moments in life, but they are just moments. I cannot imagine to be all time happy. Look like I'm an idiot, no? Just stay all time, all time happy is impossible. I don't want to be happy eh? all time. <laughs> it's true. That's true. It's like we also have that saying, like uh, only the people that are really like stupid that they are they can smile all the time and so on. So like okay, because you are not getting what kind of problems they are around you and so on. So yeah. But when you say like you were never chasing happiness, what were the then you chasing? So what was then the driving force? I don't know, Ludmila. I mean, if you think, let's say about. Is it power? Is it money? Is it honor? Is it pleasure? And I guess, okay, if it's not happiness, then it's also not pleasure. So what is it? I would guess it's not like the title or, you know, like... The, the, the problem, we, we, it's uh, for everyone. It's not easy to find the, the, the right balance. You know? If you live alone, maybe you are sad because, ah, oh my poor, I'm, I'm alone, you know. Uh, when you live in relation with other people, I don't know, your wife, your uh, sons, your happiness depends uh, on the, the life of the other ones. No? If my wife is uh, sick, or my, my son uh, have, has problem, I cannot be happy. Of course. So we can we cannot control uh, mm -hmm. our life, the the, the life of uh, components of uh, our life, no, mm -hmm. our family. So. Mm -hmm. So and when we still see optimistic in the future, so what is still on your bucket list? What do you still want to achieve, to do, to try out? What is it? In the in the future, in the 
I would like to continue to, to draw, to travel. I have been uh, in Venezuela last week and many people told me, you are crazy. You, you want to go in Venezuela, it's dangerous. Bah, it's not true. There are a lot of uh, good people there, friendly people. And uh, it's been exactly when what I was uh, thinking before. I cannot to, to forget the eyes of the students at the university, uh, Universidad Central de Venezuela. It's the, the most important institution in, uh, in that country. They were really happy to meet uh, Maurizio from, from Italy, no? and uh, hear about um, my experience, watching my drawings on the large screen has been... Um, so in, in the future, I want to uh, give uh, impulse at this activity. I hope to, to travel again uh, a lot. So drawing, traveling and continuing to mentor people basically, no? so young students. No? And uh, 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 yes, I, I gave two conferences and one workshop after the, the first uh, conference. I spent two days with the students of uh, Instituto de Diseño de Caracas, drawings with them, no? 20, 25 uh, students. has been an incredible experience. So what you receive from young people, it's much more than you, you, you give them. Even they have the feeling that's a lot, no? Yeah. Yes. I like a lot to teach. Because you must be a good um, psychologist. No? You, you, you must to, to understand who is in front of you. No? To, to have the, the maximum um, as well from them. It means a lot of empathy actually and a lot of understanding the other people and also like how to get them motivated how to get the most out of them because you you must also to be ready to hear no not only to speak it's easy to speak it's not easy to to learn other people give them opportunity to to speak no to, that they goes to explain uh, what they they would would like they what they want from uh, their lives. It's nice. I like a lot. Actually, when, when you just listen, <laughs> which I do actually a lot in this podcast, no? so like listening to all these exceptional people and just learning a lot of things. If I would talk all the time, yeah, but then I stay at the same knowledge level that I was before. So therefore... I hope so. Yeah. There's a lot of learning. So... My last question for today's podcast is, what is your life motto? In life, you can fall, but you must always get back up and learn from the mistakes. Absolutely. Ever is valid, this uh, motto for me. Very, very nice motto. And actually, in our conversation, you already confirmed that several times, how important it is when you said like, okay, follow your dream, even if the competition is fierce, even if the odds are not in your favor, just do it and try with not having the regrets afterwards. 
and you, you don't spend your life complain over 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 old things or about your life about the other people no this is uh, the it's easier no it's not my fault it's fault of other people it might sound easy right that's why people do that but then okay you are staying always at the same level so you cannot improve you don't have any power to to change anything so for me it's it's not the easiest part I want to have the power of my life, actually, in every aspect of it, at best. <laughs> I agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. <laughs> Or to die trying, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is anyway in, inevitable in the end. So, Maurizio, thank you so much for taking this time, for all the inspiration, for all the knowledge that you shared and for everything that you did in the design world. So it's really, really such a huge honor to have you here. And maybe I should try also in Italian. Let's, let's try if I, if I can. Uh, grazie mille, Maurizio. È stato un onore ascoltare la tua storia davvero straordinaria. E sono sicura che la nostra... Come si dice? Audience? In italiano? Come si dice in italiano? Non lo so. Pubblico. Pubblico. Che il nostro pubblico sarà ispirato, uh, ispirato dalle tue parole. Grazie mille. There are many ways to achieve a more sustainable future. There are many companies and innovative leaders who choose and actively go very different ways. Let's just not forget one thing. No matter how different the ways are, the big goal is one and the same. See you very soon in the next episode.